something I'm, I am, for those of you just kind of joining, we're kind of in a transition here. Um, I've been pastoring the House of Prayer for 37 years. And when I started, I had hair. It was black. And I had, I, I had a little bit more of a memory than I got now. I miss my memory about as much as I miss everything else. But uh, uh, God has blessed us. But we're kind of in transition. Uh, October, I'm going to turn 70. And so... We, pastor Jeff is going to become senior pastor, and uh, God has just worked that out, and I'm, I'm excited about that. But saying that, I know that Jackie reminds me, uh, Jerry, you've only got a certain number of Sundays now left that, that you're supposed to preach, so you need to, you need to use those wisely. Uh, and uh, so it, it reminds me that with that, uh, I've kind of been praying, okay, Lord, you know, what, what, what do you have? What do you want me to share? And it's been healthy for me, but it's a reminder, this morning, this week, God has just been laying on my heart, uh, this whole picture in this image, house of prayer, we just sang this song, His House is called a house of prayer. And we named our church, that's Isaiah, what is it, Isaiah 5, 6, 56, 7, 5, 6, and 7, I think. And uh, part of that, part of the, the image of the house of prayer, growing up in it, accepting the Lord in it as a as a Boy, in 1959, over in the, old, in the sanctuary at the time, uh, one of the things that was always emphasized is that God loves us, and that as, as God loves us, we're to love each other. And so uh, the, the church is to be a place where the lost and the lonely come and feel where we're accepted, where we're not coming to be judged. Somebody's not going to look at us like, well, I wonder what they've been into. I mean, look, he's got, he, he's got long hair. She's she got tattoos. He's got a ring. Where's his ring? I mean, yeah, but it's a place where we come and realize God loves us. And we're called to love each other. And one of the things that, that just spoke to my heart is that I, 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 wanna, I want that to continue. And I believe it will continue. It'll, it'll continue, and it should be a part of everything that, that followers of Christ do wherever they are. So this morning, I want to talk to you about uh, love, how's, loving Christ and loving each other. And it kind of reminds me of, of, of a story, uh, because sometimes, even as Christians, loving, yeah, be real honest, loving others can be difficult. It reminds me of a story of, this, of the guy who was playing Jesus in a passion play. And uh, so they were started to put, they were putting a play on in, in this town, and uh, he was dragging the cross, headed to, to Calvary. And this, one of the people that was watching the Passion play just happened to be a, struck, it was a heckler. And he, Mike, he started seeing things all, you know, and he was, so finally he got to call him out. Hey! You know, and, and he got to call him out. And, and the actor that was playing Jesus just couldn't stand anymore. He just dropped the cross over and punched the guy out. <laughs> And he went back over and picked his cross back up, and they finished the passion play. Well, after the play, the director of the play came up to him and said, hey, listen, I saw what you've done back there, but you can't do that. I, we can't have you doing that. You know, you're, you're supposed to be Jesus in the play. I don't think Jesus ever dropped his cross and punched anybody out. And the guy apologized profusely and, and asked, you know, said, I'm, I'm sorry, you're right, I'm sorry. I won't do it again. So the next night, the next night, they're doing their passion play. He's dragging across the same guy again with more insults, with more heckling. Same result. Drop the cross down. Went over, punch a guy out. Goes back and gets his cross. Finish the play. Well, that night after the passion play was over, 
the, the one who was direct and said, I'm going to fire you. Uh, Jesus never retaliated that way. Uh, and and Pete, we're supposed to, you know, we're supposed to be a reflection of what he was. I, I'm not going to have it. I'm going to fire you. And, and the guy, again, begged and pleaded. So I'm sorry. I know, I know I messed up. I don't, I don't mean to. I didn't. I tried not to. Please, just one more chance. And the guy said, we only got two more nights of the passion play. I won't do it again. You're right, right? The next night, sure enough. They, they come to that part, and the guy's got his cross, and he's dragging. He's Jesus at the time. He's focused on going to the Calvary. And he hears this voice, same stinking voice. He hears it, heckling him. And he stops, and everybody's just holding, and he stops. And they're wondering. And he just looks over to God and says, I'll see you after the resurrection, and walks on. Ah, <laughs> uh, ah. Uh. So, so sometimes it's kind of hard, you know, it's like, see after resurrection, we're going to go on. But Paul kind of understands that. Paul gives us some words in, in Ephesians chapter 4 about loving each other. Ephesians 4 says this, therefore, as a prisoner serving the Lord, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you've been called by God. Now look at this. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Make an allowance for each other's faults. Why? Huh? Because of your love. Wow. Wow. But it's not always easy. Huh? It's tough. And uh, there's a couple of just kind of solid sources of, in Scripture. There's a lot of Scriptures. But two chapters. 1 John chapter 4 and 1 Corinthians chapter 13 are really, really solid sources to show us what God expects, really to show us what God commands our love to look like as we love each other. John 13, in John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35, listen to how Jesus put it. Jesus said, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. It was a command. It is a command. That command has not changed. Yeah? I'm, af I'm afraid we've, we've, we've went through a, lo a lot of modifications, but I don't think God's modified his command to us. We're to love each other with the love that he's loved us with. All right, I want to go to 1 John chapter 4. I want you to go there with me. And, and, uh, and, and we're just going to kind of read a, a, a lot of this scripture uh, in 1 John 4. I've got it from a New Living Translation, uh, whatever translation you're reading from, but this is where we're going to do it. But, but I've got a statement, and I've, kind of, I've, I've ran this statement by a couple of people that I really value their input, one of them being my wife. And... Uh, I said, honey, I just want to be sure that I'm biblically accurate because this is what I feel like the Lord's saying to me uh, from this verses in 1 John 4. Now, let me tell you what, what it is. And then Barbie said, I think I'll boycott service. And she was here first service. Just wanted to know that. She said, but I, I think I'll boycott if you're going to say that. All right, here it is. I said that our, our love for each other should be or is a reflection of our love for God. What do you think about that? Amen. I, I agree, Ray. Our love for each other is a reflection of our love for God. Okay, now listen, follow me. Then, if there's a problem with our love for each other, there's a problem 
with our love for God. Wow. Barbara said, are you really going to say that? <laughs> I did. But, but, but know this, that hit me before you ever heard that. All right, let's look at 1 John 4. Because again, this is just God's word. He lays it out. We're going to pick it up in verse 7. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another. For love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God. Now look at this. Look right here. For God is love. I had a guy come up after service, first service. thirty year, uh, he's, uh, He said, and he's weeping. He said, Jerry, he said, I was 30 years old before I ever heard a sermon that told me that God loved me. He said, I knew I was a sinner. And he said, I knew there was a hell. And he said, all I ever heard was that, that God was, I, he said, I felt like God was up there. And every time I messed up, God was marking it off. And I just got one, got warmer and warmer. He said, I was 30 years old before I realized God loves me. And he, his desire was not for me to mess up. He didn't want to send me to hell. He wanted me to be with him. God's love. I can't go rabbit trails a lot. All right, let's go. God showed how much he loved us. How? By sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, I can, can't you just almost see John as he's telling his, his, these people, he loves, since God loves us that much, we surely are to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression. This is what he says. This, this, people see how we love God by how we love them in us, okay? And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and him in us. Romans 8, okay? Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. All who declare that Jesus is a Son of God, God have got God living in them and they live in Christ. They've been saved. They've been born again. We know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. God is love. And all who live in love live in God. And God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. Our love is made complete. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, we can, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear. Because perfect love casts out, King James says, or expels all fear. If we're afraid, it's for fear of punishment. And this shows that we've not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he loved us. Now look, at it, because he loved us first, all right? Verse 20 is a, is a verse Kevin Cain and uh, Kevin and bring here, Kevin said this verse is a verse that brought him to salvation. If someone says, I love God, but hates his fellow believer, that person is just mixed up. Is that what it says? Is that what it says? I know. I, it's kind of one of those things. Did it really say that? 
If someone says, I love God, but hates his fellow believer, that person's a liar. For if we don't love people that we can see, how can we love God that we hadn't seen? I know, one more. And he's given us this command, this command. He's given us this option. Is it an option? Uh, no. He's given us this choice. No. To be a follower of Christ, he said, "This. listen, if you're going to follow me, then you've got to love each other. Wow. It's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like, uh, I remember when you, when, for some of us it won't be that, remember when you used to color in coloring books? Okay. Now, they make adult coloring books now. And I, listen, sometimes I just like to do that, okay? But if, but if I, I am an outliner, I learned that whatever, whatever I was coloring, I would draw the lines first. Anybody, anybody, any of you do, are you, did you outline first? Hand me outline first. Let me see your hands. The rest of you need to get saved. <laughs> you know, the rest of you just got to color. You just got the picture and just went to coloring, right? You just go, and your lines go everywhere. But if you outline... It keeps you in the, in the picture, okay? So the, the kind of the outline for what this love that he's commanded us to have for each other looks like, to me, is, is, is laid out in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's called the, the love chapter in the Bible. In 1 Corinthians 13, I've, I think I've, I've used it. I've been, done a little over 200 weddings in, in the last 37 years. And in, in all the premarital counseling, We've looked at 1 Corinthians 13 because 1 Corinthians 13 is, is, uh, is really uh, Paul is saying that love is the main thing in all our relationships. Love is the main thing in all our relationships. Now, we'll, we'll kind of go through this a little bit more quickly than we did 1 John, but, but I just want you to look, verse 1. Paul says, if I could speak in languages of earth and angels but didn't love others, I'd be like a noisy gong or a clan symbol. Now, I, don't, I, don't, I know what a gong is and symbol. But when I read this verse, I, I, to me, it's like, if I, if I could have all kinds of spiritual gifts, that's what he's saying. If I could have spiritual gifts but I didn't love, it'd be like hearing a scratch on a chalkboard. Oh, it, does, that bother, does that ever bother anybody else? Oh, my goodness. Oh, 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 oh. It just makes heebie-jeebies. Makes you do something down inside. Here, scratch that scratch, okay? And, and that's, listen, what Paul is saying, you can have all these spiritual gifts you want to, but if you ain't got love with them, you might as well be scratching on a chalkboard for the good you're doing. Wow. Look at verse 2. Paul is saying love. He said, if, I, if I've got gifts, again, more spiritual gifts, and if I understand, if I have understand, have all knowledge so that I can understand all these things. He said, if I've got knowledge, he says, if I've got faith, if I've got enough faith, if I've got knowledge without love, it's nothing. If I've got faith, if I've got a gob of faith, you know, there's nothing wrong. You need faith. Hebrews, I think it was Hebrews 11 says, but without faith, it's impossible to please God because he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, right? So we got to have faith to please him. But now think about this. You can preach faith all day, but if you don't have love to go with your faith, it's meaningless. It's meaningless. Look at what it says in verse 3. In verse 3, he says, if I gave everything to the, to the poor, if I, and now, he's saying love is more important than giving. 
Say, what? Preacher, are you really going? Yeah. Yeah. We can give. I've got the black boxes. I remind you that for tithe and offering in the foyer out there. I don't know why we call them black boxes. That's, that's the thing in a little, that's the thing on an airplane, right? If you go down the recorder, so it's supposed to got a transponder in there. You find it, know what happened? Uh, it reminds me of a joke about a guy that's lost on an island, but I, I, his, his, his preacher's going to hunt for him. And the guy said, why? He said, because I'm a, I give $10,000 every week, he'll find me. Anyway, this verse says, I know, I know, I know. Thank you, Joe, just keeping me focused. If we, but if we, if we could give all we want to give, all we could, could give. But if it has love, it don't mean anything. We could sacrifice. He said, I could sacrifice my body. Uh, but if I don't love others, look at this. It wouldn't mean anything. What is he saying? He's saying love is the most important thing there is. Look at, uh, look at what else love looks like. We're going to pick up with verse 4 here in 1 Corinthians 13. Now walk through this with me. Walk through this with me for the next uh, 10 minutes or so. Look what it says. He says, love is patient and kind. The love, to me, that means that love don't give in to, to anger so quickly. All right? Now, that's from a Scot-Irish descendant who used to say, I was born this way. And God said, but you're born again a different way. But God has not given us a spirit of Fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. Really control the Holy Spirit. If you're, listen, listen, this is from a, what was Daniel said last week. By the way, Sam, I've had more positive comments on Daniel Ritchie last Sunday morning. I think than any other speaker that we've had in all 37 years here. I've, I've had so many people, the word for Daniel, from Daniel Ritchie last Sunday morning was spot on. Those of you that were here Maybe those of you that are watching and heard him. And I've had, you know, people that don't use the company just say, man, that, that, that man with no arms was spot on. And I told him, I said, you didn't even use any hand gestures. <laughs> I told him he was really, I, 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 this is, he was awesome. But I, I told him, I said, you really have an influence, even on kids. Because we were at the wild game dinner Saturday night. We go to the house. Afterwards, Nicole's made a big apple pie. And Barbie's got ice cream to go on top of that apple pie. And I look, Taylor's sitting in the front room floor. I can tell this, Taylor, because it's good. She was sitting in the front room floor on a towel, had a bowl of ice cream down in front of her, and she had the spoon between her first two big toes eating that ice cream with her spoon. And I just, I like, I said, Taylor, you can do that. I can't even get my toe up there. She said, well, I had to use my fingers to get the spoon in there. But she was doing it. So this, this guy, but Daniel, knows what, knows what Daniel was saying, what Daniel Richard was saying. Uh, is he said, God creates us anew. That's what he's saying here. Love is patient and kind. Love's not jealous or prideful. Wow. Look at what he says in verse 5. He said, and, and by the way, to me that, that jealous means, I think of jealous, but to me it's really content. Because I get, sometimes I get jealous when I look at, I look over here and I think, well, have you seen Hunter's truck? Man. I, my, my truck's not a lot hardly, you know, decked out like his. I'd like to have a truck like that. When I start looking at others, what others have or what I don't have, it makes me discontent. Love says, 
I'm content. I'm not jealous. I'm thankful. I'm saying, man, that, he looks so good in that. You know? So love's that. All right, I've got to go on because I told you I was going to, so I'm going to hurry. Love is not rude. It don't demand its own way. Now, I want to tell you, before I get hit this, love is not, what's that word starts with I? Irritable. Irritable. What really, the first time I ever, this jumped out at me, this passage of Scripture, uh, I memorized this chapter when I was a kid from King James, all right? And, and I felt, and it's good. It's good, powerful stuff. My spiritual, one of my spiritual fathers, Edwin Messerschmidt, uh, one time said, have you ever read this in the, at that time it was before the New Living Translation was ever thought of probably, but it was from the Living Bible. Remember that day, the paraphrase. And I, I was even afraid to have a Living Bible. It was a paraphrase and I thought that was heresy. And if I read that, I'd probably going to go to hell. So I didn't even have one around. And then he showed me this scripture in that. And I thought, I, I wish I hadn't read it, but I was glad I did. Because it says, love is not irritable. Now, I want to tell you. Something, I'm, a little bit of confession here, Phil. Put my collar on. In the morning, I can be, I can be nice, sweet. I'm awake. If I've got a cup of coffee, it really helps. But, but in the morning, I'm, I'm good to go. Meet you and smile, and we're good. But long about 10 o'clock or 10.30 at night, it's bad. Yeah, huh? <laughs> Zach said eight. Zach said eight. Earlier than that. <laughs> Ah, yeah, yeah, it's moving earlier. Last night, last night was that. But late at night, I get, I used to say the word's grouchy. But, but, but the biblical word with this was irritable. Oh, my goodness. And, I would, and, and when I read this, the first time I ever read this in the Living, trans, in the living uh, Translation, you Living Bible, or the Living Translation. What was I saying? The Living Bible. I thought, oh, my goodness. So when I'm grouchy to my wife late at night, because I'm tired. I got a reason. I, I listen, there's a reason for it, okay? But when I'm grouchy because I'm tired, or when I'm grouchy to my kids because I've been at school all day and I've dealt with people all day long and I don't want to have to deal with them when I get home. When I'm grouchy, that's not loving. Bo, saw that? Yeah, that's not loving. And I, I said, Lord, can't I just be a little bit grouchy? He says, well, you can be a little bit more than a little bit, but when you are, that's not being loving. Wow. Wow. And, and then look at this one. Love keeps no record of being wronged. Whoa. Love don't keep a scorecard. That's the third time that I told you to do that, you forgot every time and you come home with this, oh, I forgot it again. How many times? <sighs> there you go. There you go. Now listen. <laughs> I did it again. Listen. Is that, is that love? No. Because what that is, some of us have mental role, mental used to be file index cards files, right? Now they got Rolexes. Roll, roll, roll a Dex. Rolex is a, what's a watch? Rolex. So they've got that other thing. They've got them on the rollers. They don't have those anymore. Huh? You got smartphones. And you got app. You probably got an app on a smartphone that says scorecard. I don't know. But I know, I know this. 
Love struggles when you keep up with how many times you've forgiven or you keep up with how many times you've been wronged. It struggles. Relationship struggles. Marriages struggle if you're going to keep a scorecard. And if you're going to do it, don't, tell you, don't say you're doing it out of love because God's word says love keeps no record of wrongs. Let me give you a story. Gary Kelly's, Gary and Crystal was here first service. <clears throat> Gary's daddy was Charlie Kelly and his brother was Midge Kelly. And Charlie and Midge, uh, two brothers here, and when uh, they had a sawmill back, that was about the only thing that was going on here in, in Union County. And then, I don't know, the early, the late, late 50s maybe, uh, chicken, the chicken industry came into North Georgia. Big, Dana, it came in here and a lot of, lot of people put up big chicken houses and would grow uh, layers for, uh, for eggs or grow broilers for, to sell. And I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of, Farmers and a lot of people all of a sudden could make a living with chickens. And Midge and Charlie's, they had, uh, I don't know, two or four, six chicken houses. But they, they formed a Kelly Feed Mill. And so they got trucks. They would drive to Clarksville or they would drive to, to Cartersville. And they would pick, bring back loads of chicken feed bagged. Later on, it would be bulk when they had got 10, uh, got silos. And so they had chicken feed. And so what they would do is they would deliver the chicken feed out then to the, to the chicken houses, to the local growers. And it was a great business, a good business. Well, they had that business for many years. I remember playing in the feed, and, and I remember Dad driving and growing up as a young boy. And uh, later on, as the chicken business kind of was winding down, Midge and Charlie were getting ready to retire, and they said, we're going you know, to close the feed mill. But they had, they had a, a stack. It was really a stack of, of debts. Uh, and, and the way it worked is uh, if, if, if a grower, you know, needed feed, they would give him feed on the credit and then he would pay them either when he sold eggs or when he sold his chickens. And they'd come in and that was a commitment. We'll pay you when we, set, when we sell our flock. And so they would do that. But not everybody paid, right? And it's this old crazy thing is they, I remember them talking, they would say, the people that can't pay won't pay. And it's the people that don't have money that come in here and pay, you know? Anyway, that's the way it was, I guess. But they were getting ready to close, so they sent out letters. And they said, listen, we're, we're, we're going to close the feed mill. Just want to know we've been carrying, a, you got a, a debt here. We'd appreciate it if you could pay some or let us know what you want us to do about that. And even after doing all that, they had a stack. And uh, so it was one day in the winter, and Charlie and Midge were there talking. And they were, they were talking, boy, I mean, at that time, it was several thousand dollars. It would really be significant today, but several thousand dollars. And, and, uh, and it got so that people that owed the money started to avoid them out, you know, in the store or somebody. They just didn't, didn't really hurry to get away because they owed them money. I think guilt does that sometimes. And I'll, and I'll never forget Dad telling a story. He said it was, it was winter. They had a fire in the, in, the, in the wood stove. And it was one of those wood stoves would be over the top. You scoot the top back and put your wood in. And one of them walked over and just scooted the top back. And the other one just brought the whole stack of bills over there and throwed them in the fire. And said, now we don't have to worry about those no more. They'd rather have their friends than to have the money the friends owed them and not be friends anymore. Now listen to me. I love you. You know I love you. Couldn't, you, couldn't still, you couldn't have put up with me for 37 years. You have you endured me. You've tolerated me. Even, even when I tell food stories and when I messed your names up, you, know, you just love me. And I, I'll never be able to express how much that means to me. But I hope you know I love you too. 
And there may be some of you here this morning that needs to mentally scoot the top back on that heater and take all those hurts and all those faults and all those lies and all those good intentions that people have hurt you with and you need to throw them in there. Because it's hard to love the way God wants us to love when we keep a scorecard. Okay. All right, I don't even know how far I went. Don't have a scorecard. Would I do anything else, Craig? How far did I go here? Yeah. Love doesn't rejoice about injustice. Uh, <laughs> love's not glad when others get what they deserve. That kind of got to me too, Bill. I mean, I've, not, that, not that I would ever do this, but I have a real close friend that said, they'll get theirs one day, and I just hope I'm around to see it. You ever heard anything like that? Uh, I think that's kind of what the writer of Psalms had in mind when he said, don't look at the wicked, how they prosper in their way. They're all, God's not done yet. God's not done yet. But I thought about this, and I thought, well, God, you know, and I realized Rather than saying, they finally got what's coming to them. They finally got caught up with. Yeah, I've, I've known people I thought was crook. They're just a crook. And, they're, and their dealings, they're crooked. They're crooked than the barrel of fish hooks. They got more crooks on them, you know. And, and, I, and I just think, I just like to be around. And God just really, Toddy just convicted me and said, you know what? It should be breaking your heart that, that, that this is what they're dealing with. Rather than you waiting and watching for them to be zapped. Wow. Wow. All right, I'm going to have to... Uh, love never gives up. Go to the next one. Never gives up. It's always too soon to quit. It's always too soon to quit on your marriage. It's always too soon to quit on your relationships. It's always too soon to quit on a friendship. Too soon. Love never quits. It's always hopeful and endures to every circumstance. Now, I read this verse in 1 Corinthians. Let me just say, so I said, okay, Lord, you want me to talk about love. You want to talk about the house of prayer being a loving church and about that, the importance of them staying, remaining a loving church always until the Lord returns. As long as there's a group of fellowship here that meets, we need to be known as a church that loves people and that loves the Lord, okay? And so you want me to do it? And God says, oh, check up and see how you're doing, Jerry. So let me just tell you what, what she spoke to me. So 1 Corinthians 13, where, everywhere it's got love right here. Go back to the one on irritable. I hate if you go back that far. It's, it's about five or six, somewhere in there. Yeah, right there. Everywhere it says love, I, I need to substitute my name. Jury is not irritable. Okay. Jury doesn't keep a record of wrongs. Go to the next verse, Craig. Jury doesn't, isn't happy when people get what they deserve. Oh, man, I talked to the Lord about that. And, and the Lord said, well, Jerry, do you want me to give you what you deserve? Nope. Didn't take me on. Real quick, Vernon, real quick. No, I like that grace and mercy stuff. And then he said, okay, how good are you being a grace giver and a mercy extender? God can talk to you like that, right? I mean, he can. Barbie's tried, and I can argue with her, but it's hard to argue with God and those things. So I put my name in. Put, substitute your name there. In the, see how you're doing. 
It didn't go far before I realized I'm, 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 I need help here. But let me tell you what I did then. Then I went back. It says that God is love, right? So Jesus and God are the same. So I just substituted Jesus' name. Rather than Jerry, rather than Joe or, or Mike or, or Eddie, I put Jesus is not irritable. Jesus is long-suffering. Jesus is patient and kind. Jesus keeps no record of wrongs done to him. Oh, and I thought, I am so thankful. So God, you're not up there keeping a scorecard of how many times that I've sinned and asked you to forgive me and wanted to do better and meant to do better. <laughs> Remind me of this Jesus in the Passion Play. <laughs> and then the heckler would be on the sideline, Joe. Ching, down I go to the cross. Boom. You know, spiritually. Yeah. Put Jesus there. It looks, it looks completely, completely different. Now, the significance of this, because Jesus said, this is my command. This is how the world will know you're my disciples. When the choir, early on, the early days of the House of Prayer choir, Bobby Kelly was the director. Mildred and Nelson would come and work with the choir once a week. They'd come up. Uh, and then, but when the choir would go sing, Bobby was the director. And the choir sang a song, they'll know we're Christians by our love. By our love. Yes, they'll know we're Christians by our love. So I said, Judy, I said, you know, Lord, what what's, what's people see when they look at me? Do they see you? Do they see your love? What are they seeing? Are they seeing a irritable, I'll use the word grouchy. Grouchy is so close to groucho. I could be a, it's a gaucho, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. Grumbling, complaining, resentment, no. Fear, distrust. Or do they see me being more excited about you today than I was in 1959, when I got saved, did they see me being excited about you on the upward field, Zach, and cheerleading? And did I see that as an opportunity and as a joy rather than as a, a task? A lot of you are here this morning that work at the food cottage and the clothing pan, uh, a closet and the produce. And I walk over there, and those, those guys are excited. Matthews, I walk over there. She, she's their inspiration. Carly, and, and they're excited. She comes in there, and they just all light up. And they, they see it as a joy rather than as a drudgery. I want, that's what I want to say. I want them to see that love. Well, I want to tell you, that love starts with us at home. 30, 38 years ago, almost 38 years ago now, when, when uh, I became interim pastor. Still, still working out. We're still working out. Interim pastor, almost 38 years ago. And one thing I said to Barbie, and we made a commitment. I got to be real, okay? I'm not going to be one way at home and be another way at church. And if people want to know what I'm really like, you don't need to come and listen to a sermon on Sunday morning. You need to come to the house on Friday night or a Saturday evening. Come for a cookout. Now, there's times, this, and there's times that I, just, I would have cringed if you'd have been there, but there's times I've said, God, I'm so sorry you were there. Acted like a jerk. Treated my family like a jerk. I wasn't patient. I wasn't kind. I was wrong. Okay? But I want to walk that out because the day I quit walking that out in realness, I become a pretender. And we don't have time to pretend, folk. We don't have time to play games. Listen to me. We're living in a world 
that's in chaos. It really is. It really is. And we're living in a world that is filled with fear. People, they're, they're fearful about, you know, about this pandemic. They're fearful about the economy. They're fearful about everything. People's, people are, are fearing. They're, they're in fear. And I, listen, I'm going to tell you. We look at this, and I know you've heard this before if, if you kind of grew up in church some or around church. We're, we're living in days, and I'm looking for the Lord's return. He's coming again. Now, we say that. I grew up hearing that. He hadn't come yet. But I want to tell you, one day that will be a reality. The Lord will return for his bride, the church. He's just waiting. Jesus is long-suffering, so he's waiting for that last man, woman, boy, or girl that's going to make up his bride. And he's going to say, now my bride's got her lipstick on. I'm going to get her. And he's coming. Okay? So, but until then, we're living with these opportunities to love each other and to let his love Flow through us so that they see Christ. Let me give you three verses. It's time. They're going to they're pull the plug. I'm just simply saying this. It starts at home. Uh, let love be reflected at work and in our worship. Watch how it changes you. It can be transformational. It changes everything. It changes the climate in the house. It changes the climate at work. It changes the climate in worship. Did you ever try to worship in a loveless church? I'm going to ask you that. All right, let's read three verses, Craig. Let's go to Romans 8, uh, Romans 5, 8, okay? But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we're still sinners. King James says he commended his love toward us while we were still sinners. Jesus didn't come to die for us. A bunch of us that got cleaned up, straightened up, and were pretty and smelled good. We were unlovable. He died for us when we were unlovable. You can't, now some of you may have got, uh, never mind, no, I'm going to go there, Okay. He loved us. Verse 5, Romans 5, 5. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the whole, look at this, he has given us the Holy Spirit to, now, the work of the Holy Spirit, one of the things that Jesus says when he goes, he'll send a comforter, and the comforter will remind us of all things, right? The Holy Spirit reminds us of what we've heard and what we've read. But also, part of the work of the Holy Spirit is he fills our hearts up with Christ's love. And I'll tell you, it's, that, uh, it's like that Maxwell coffee used to be full to the brim. And then the Holy Spirit, Mike, puts in one more drop because it just runs over. When he loves, when he, when he loves you and, you're, and you know that and you're in love with him, it will spill over on the people you live with and the people you work with and the people you worship with. One more verse and I want you to say it with me. It's John three sixteen. 16. Uh, yeah. This is a big good. We know this. But there's no better verse in the Bible. Edwin Messerschmidt was 16 years old, grew up in Minnesota. He was a farm boy. He said he was 16 years old, and somebody gave him a, a little gospel of John. And he said he was reading John, and when he got to the third chapter, and he read that Jesus died for him, he said, nobody ever loved me that much. He said, nobody had ever told me that I was loved that much. And he said, for him... That became the time when he said, well, if you love me enough to die for me, I'll love you enough to give you my life. And God used him. It changed everything. All right. Read this with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. This morning as we, after Daryl's coming down, we're going to close acapella. 
who's my prayer warrior? Kathy, birthday girl. We sang happy birthday to her. Kathy Davis is going to be up front. And uh, if you'd like to pray with Kathy, have a need, or just want to share with her, uh, she'll be down here to pray with you. But let me pray. If, you, if you're here this morning, this all starts. It starts with, with knowing that he loves you. And, and then you giving your heart and life to him. Because it's part of the work of the Holy Spirit then to fill your heart and life up with his love till it overflows. You may be here this morning and you've, you've known this, but you've never given your heart to the Lord. It'd be a great morning just to say, Jesus, come into my heart. You may be here this morning and you may be like me. Jesus may have had you out kind of behind the woodshed for a lot of the service this morning. Been there this week. I, the only thing that bothers me, Zach, about when God gives me a sermon like this is, is this has been a week where everything is tore up. I've messed up. It's kind of like, oh, okay, Helen, we're going we're gonna to walk this out this week before you preach it to anybody. Maybe that's you. Maybe you just need to say, Jesus, you're right. You're right. Forgive me where I've failed and let me, let your love show through me. Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you that your love is transformational. It changes us. You change us. New creation. We're not the same. We're created anew in you. Now, Father, this morning I pray there may be those individuals here that that this says, man, I've never felt love like this, but you love me. Come into my heart. And Father, for those of us here that are, are your children, and we know we are, we know we've been saved, we, we know your voice when you speak to us. We know what you're saying right now. We know what we need to do. And we don't have time to pretend or to be something we're not. Let us walk in obedience to you. In Christ I pray.